0: What's up, everyone? We are back, and we are ready to get saucy tonight. It's National Signing Day, and the Cats brought in one hell of a recruiting class for 2023 today with multiple blue chips and lion's share of the best in-state recruiting class Kansas has had in decades. We'll do some bowl pick and we're going to get our spiciest takes on the remaining slate of bowl games. As always, I'm joined by my, my guys, the good chef Andre Napier and fireball Matt Marcini. Fireball Matt, how are you doing? Fireball Matt in the house, in the house. Well, the good chef, the good chef needs like seven minutes, but we've got Dayon Savage on here too. Dayon, do you do you want to talk? Because we'd love to have you speak if you want. Um, I think I don't think we've had you speak on here, but but you're more than welcome to join the show if you want to. National Signing Day just happened. What a, what a haul! It was a good day today. Um, I. I don't
1: think I've been more excited for this day to come in many years. And I think it was just because of, uh, you know, <laughs> the way that this recruiting process is and how crazy it can get. You just never know. But uh, I was glad to see everything turned out well for us.
0: Absolutely. Hey, Dayon, welcome to the stage. How are you doing tonight? I'm I'm doing great, Bob. How about you? Doing well. What is uh, what is National Signing Day like as the parent of a of a guy who's had to go through that? Man,
2: it's a relief.
0: <laughs> it's a relief. <laughs> what what uh, what are your thoughts or, or initial takes on on the class that the that the Cats brought in today?
2: Man, I'm excited. I think we filled a lot of needs. You know, of the the guys that are going out, and I I think we're ready to roll again.
1: Heck yeah! I love to hear it. Are you uh, are you going to be headed to New Orleans for the game?
2: No, I, I'm going to sit this one out and uh, Kobe's comeback game on September the 2nd, 2022, 23 is the next time you guys will see me. So I'm, I'm going to sit this one out.
0: That's fair. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Kobe's coming back September 2nd. Oh, yeah, he's he's man. He's on fire. He
2: he's. I I think this time y'all thought he was a dog before he's going to be a killer this time. I mean, he's, he's, he's bound and determined to, to get back on that field.
0: Let's go. That's so exciting. That is awesome. So his recovery and everything seems to be going well, man, it's
2: going great. I mean, we, we have a great training staff at K state. I mean, the day after surgery, he was in there in the training room and they, they took baby steps with him. and now. I mean, he's he's going hard. He's they they they're going to have him where he wants to be. Good deal. That's awesome. Good deal. Well, yeah. I mean,
1: best wishes to him and the recovery. And I know it'll be there'll be uh, some tough uh, tough things to overcome, but I'm sure he's going to do an amazing job. And we're excited to see him on the field uh, back in September. And he's going to kick some ass. No, no
2: question. Yes, sir. I I got in on the on the recruiting with this class a little bit. Uh I had an opportunity to talk to the to uh Voss, I guess that's how you say his name, out of Florida, the offensive lineman. Yeah. Yeah, so I I got to talk to him. Uh, Taylor reached out to me the other day and he's like, "Talk to this dad." And so I talked to him and man, next thing I know, he's he's tweeting more than me, so I think he's on board. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs>
0: That is awesome, that is awesome i mean i mean i'm I am curious how frequently is this staff tapping into you know parents of existing players to try to get you know re- different recruitments for certain players across the finish line?
2: I don't know about any other parents i mean if if you just watch us, man, the parents we move like a like the mob I mean it's the climbing he not only uh, recruited our sons, he recruited us, and when us parents get together. I mean it's like we've known each other for 30 40 years. I mean it's it's crazy like you got uh Frias from California, he's a Hispanic guy and then you got the Panzer from Kansas, he's a white guy and you have me from Texas, the African American guy, but we're like brothers and that's what Kansas State does, man. They bring people together no matter what color you are or what your your wealth your wealth status is, I mean it's just amazing what Kansas State does for people.
0: That that I mean, it goes along with everything that we all learned going to school there or being associated with the with the university, with the whole family environment and family atmosphere, like the K State family. It, a lot of people think it's cheesy, but it really isn't. It's it's something that truly is is embodied by everybody who's associated with the university. Um, I, I am curious when you're when you're talking to. Coach Kleiman or, or Taylor Brad or any of those guys on the staff, what does their recruiting pitch look like to the family of the player, not just the player themselves?
2: It's genuine. He's not. They're not trying to sell you on a flashy uniform or we're going to put money in your son's pocket. They're looking at my son's future, like he says, the 40-year decision, like what kind of man they're going to help turn him into. I mean, I I'm a coach myself, so I'm not worried about football aspect. I wanna know how you're gonna take care of my son off the field. I wanna make sure my son goes to class. I wanna make sure he graduates. And that's what climbing talks about. And I mean, it's just he's just genuine, man. He's there's no fake and phony about him. He's just just a great person and, and everybody that works for him, he got great coaches.
3: Hey, Mr. Savage, I'm I'm glad you're in here. Uh, I just got on and I I was listening to you speak and you talk about how they recruited you as long as well as they recruited Kobe. But like, you got to think there are some parents out there that are, that are doing it, you know, to, to take the limelight away from their kids is, is that more rampant or do you see that at all? Like not necessarily with K state, but is I mean, Kobe was, he, he was committed to North Texas and is that more rampant amongst, like, families in college football than, than people kind of think about?
2: I bet, you know, like a five-star kid, somebody that's been wanted by, like, let's say Alabama, USC, and Ohio State, I, I bet you some of those parents are, like, you know, a little, little crazy. But you take a parent like me, we're happy to get that opportunity and. In K State, it just fits Kobe the way Kobe is. You know, he had like he tells you all the time, he had a chip on his shoulder because he's had to prove himself ever since he was in peewee football. So Kansas State, I mean, it's it's synonymous with Kobe and the type of kid he is. And and if you meet most of those kids, they all were under recruited or overlooked and that kind of stuff. So I think why they play so hard. That's
3: that's I mean, that's what you kind of want to hear and, but you you still hear and, and it's the times that we're in, you know, recruiting back in the day when like Bill Snyder was here at K-State, you could, you want to go for those hardworking kids and stuff, but you also got to recruit studs and a lot of studs and to keep kids in college and especially in the, uh, the NIL world that we're in now, they want. A little bit of compensation as well. They deserve it, to be honest. I mean, Kobe deserves to be compensated for what he puts out on the field for this university. All the money that the university is making. Are how's the
2: compensation work? And are you involved in that at any at any point? Kobe worked hard for that, so I never ask him about his money. Um, he he he. Like I say, Kobe, you need some money? Nah, Dad, I'm good. And so, I mean. I don't know what he makes. He may make a hundred dollars a week or he may make two thousand, but I don't know. But uh, And that, and yeah. And that's,
3: that's awesome because I mean, when I was in college, I was always asking my parents for money. So, I mean,
2: obviously these guys are obviously doing a little bit better than how we were in college. Right. And, and even if there wasn't NIL, as long as Kobe could play power five football, he wouldn't care. Kobe just, he just that type of kid, man. He don't, he don't want anything. I mean, if I said Kobe, I'm gonna go buy your truck tomorrow. He'd probably say, "Ah, oh, Dad, I don't need it." I mean, he's just he's just a humble kid. That's just the way he is. Amazing. Does he
3: have? Does he have future? I mean, obviously, kids growing up, we all kind of played ball at one point in our lives. But he's at the pinnacle of amateur football. Does he have his sights? set on the next level or is he like you said he's getting his degree he's going to graduate he's going to do these things but is his main objective to be the next level
2: oh yeah oh yeah uh crazy thing is me and my dad and my brother we're we're big cowboy fans and and he he ended up being a raiders fan and so the other day i said kobe if you could go to any nfl team who would it be he said the cowboys and i said well we need a safety so (laughs) come on home (laughs) (laughs)
1: especially after that game on Saturday, they, yeah, it wasn't a great game on the defensive side. I think he'd be, I think he could be a really good, really good player at the next level. I really do. Um, You know, we've seen some really good K state secondary players, you know, recently guys like DJ Reed and we were hearing Duke Shelley's name, his game on Saturday and, and, there's no question there are guys in the secondary that, that can go to the next
2: level and I sure hope
1: Kobe's one of
2: those. Yeah, you when you see a K-State player in NFL, I mean, they have longevity. I mean, they have long careers from you know, most of them that I've I've watched. Yeah. I Absolutely.
0: Mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look I, at you look at Darren Sproles, you look at some of these guys who they, you know, 10, 15 years in the NFL, there there's de- there's definitely some staying power there. Um, and if I know one thing about Kobe Savage is that he he brings the sauce. And today's uh, signing day theme was bring the sauce. And they definitely did. This is the best K-State class that we've seen at least since the Ron Prince era. Uh, and potentially Snyder 1.0. We've, we've got three four-star guys according to on three. We've got one consensus four-star in Avery Johnson. We've got a couple flips from other programs like Colorado, Oregon State, um, more than three quarters of the class were competitive recruiting wins against other big power five programs, good, successful power five programs. And we had, feel free to correct me if I'm if I'm off on this guys, but I think we had 24 of 25 hard commitments coming into the day. Those guys were locked in and signed pen on paper before I even had my first cup of coffee this morning. What do you guys think is the significance of this class and, and what do we think this means for where the program is today and what direction the program is headed? We'll start with chef.
3: Oh man. I mean, signing day is you got to look at it one or two ways you're either hanging on or you're trying to be aggressive and get after kids that, you know, are that have their hats on the table. And I think, like you said, people were signed already before a lot of people could rub their eyes and wake up. So I think the only kid that I could really remember having a hat on the table was Spivey and he was later and he technically wasn't committed. So uh, Asa Newsom, we got him committed verbally before signing day happened. And all these guys, Avery, the ringleader, we have, to, we'll bring him up. Eventually and you know he'll get his Name thrown out around a lot but He was the leader and he was the catalyst And he brought this this class Together and They all signed no No there was no worries don't Don't go through my group text Messages with you guys because that's Not important but what is important Is that everybody signed
1: And they're all committed and We're ready to ride Yeah and I The big takeaway that I would take from this entire year. I would even start with Avery Johnson back in July was how do we fill this class with impact players that there's a handful of these guys that could absolutely get some playing time for this upcoming season holes. Um, And there are guys that are going to be, players that are going to improve they're going to get better stronger faster and they're going to be guys that will make this team yearly in the big 12 race there's that type of talent and i was very impressed with the hall in the past few days obviously with newsom will lee getting the jordan allen six- today it was huge i know Some of us are a little nervous about that, but really, these are guys on both sides of the football that uh, the future for K-State is really, really bright, and I'm excited to see how they're going to mesh with this team that just won a Big 12 championship, and the obvious one to start with is probably Avery Johnson, but there are a lot of players in there that I am stoked to be able to see how they're going to develop in
0: this system and, and how they're going to play for us moving forward. I mean, if you talk about guys who would be able to play on day one, Will Lee, you mention him. He's he's that, right? He's a four-star cor- he was a he's a four-star cornerback from Iowa Western in the national JUCO championship game. He is guarding what, the number one JUCO wide receiver. And Alabama comes into the process late and offers him. He had offers from Arkansas and Iowa, Iowa State, Florida State. Like this guy. Was catching some eyeballs late in the process, and it says a lot. I mean, we talked about it with Dayon, but it says a lot about the staff to be able to keep these guys locked in, keep them focused, and and you know they're they're bought in to what Kleiman is selling as far as the program, as far as being able to get playing time, as far as the ability to develop those players and get them ready for the next level. Um, because I think Will Lee is absolutely one of those guys. Just to just to kind of kick off that conversation. Are there any other guys that that caught your eye for immediate playing time or guys that you think will be what we'll see on the gridiron from day one?
3: Like you said, I mean, it's the Juco guys. I think if you look at the Juco guys that we signed, I think we're three for three with guys that are going to be plug-and-play contributors from day one. They're all early enrollees, so we'll get them in there. Uh, Rex, I don't – how would we just, how are we saying rex his last van name y. rex rex van Y. I, I mean that's a dirty name i mean let's just be honest rex van y he'll plug in at that sam linebacker spot he's super underrated he didn't have a lot a ton of offers coming out of the juco but if you look and listen to any expert that is um, grading film He's long, he's athletic, and he is explosive from that Sam linebacker spot that we're we're drastically trying to find the perfect mold for. Uh, We tried Stubblefield Sauce Boss at the uh, year one of the three three five. He he was serviceable, he was agile, he did that, but we're looking for longer. Crew Jackson was too long; he couldn't fill out weight. Khalid Duke fills into that role, but he's not the coverage guy that we're looking for. This guy brings all of it to the table. Rex Van Wy he's going to be a starter. You already brought up the blanket, Will Lee. I think he's a plug-and-play guy in that Julius Brents role and frame that is exactly the same mold. He'll come up and hit you if you watch that junior college national championship. He was talking shit. I love that. Out there head hunting. He's hitting hard. I love that. And then the last guy, Kirksky. uh He's just another – I mean, these guys are 6'3", monster linebackers. I mean, you go, you see linebackers – I mean, there's all kinds of body types. But we're, we've got 6'3", 230-pound, ready-to-play junior college players. He's the number 20 junior college player in the whole country. He's ready to play, fill in for Daniel Green, that mold, right off the jump. I mean, we're just plugging, and it's
1: beautiful. Those are my guys. The Juco guys are my guys. A couple guys that I, I've i been thinking about just from the 2022 season and the number of true freshmen that we had out there, thinking about guys like Jacob Parrish and B.J. Payne, um, Jay Clifton was out there. Um, that means that there's probably a handful of players in this class that are going to see – Some time one that I'm thinking about a little bit is dependent on Deuce Vaughn. Could we see Joe Jackson out there as a true freshman making plays, um, from a wide receiver position, if we're expected to lose Malik, Cade Warner, uh, Philip Brooks is a guy like Trey Spivey going to get some time. Um, is Newsom going to get some playing time. So, uh, I, I'm interested to see from this specific freshman class perspective which of these players are not necessarily going to be the developmental players that are going to come in and, you know, have to, to have to bulk up and whatnot. But I, I'm going to look out for Joe Jackson and I forgot to add Jordan Allen in there thinking about losing Felix and a you know, Khalid Duke is expected to take, take, you know the one of the spots there obviously Brendan Mott Nate Matlack but Jordan Allen has showed on film that he he is a and you know he's a very athletic edge player that I could easily see getting some snaps uh, building up into into a player that'll come on the field in you know some certain third down situations so uh, that's the exciting part is is we have some freshmen in here that look like they can make some plays early on um, in their career.
3: I mean, you, Jordan now, and I mean, we're going to talk about these guys individually, but you bring him up and he pops off of his tape. You put his huddle tape on. Oh my God. I mean, he looks like a junior at junior division one linebacker playing against high schoolers. It, it's insane. He is so big and so fast and so strong and so explosive. We've got athletes everywhere on this defense, and they're all young and ready to go. I mean, I thought Jake Clifton last year was like the least um, athletic of all the linebackers that we brought in, and he's seen true time as a true freshman. We, We have just linebackers and DNs that are so deep and ready to compete. It's it's scary. I want Bob to just get get me under control because
0: I'll. (laughs) No, you're good. Let's let's go through some of the signees. I think first and foremost, we we've already talked about him a little bit, but it's Avery Johnson. He's he's four star quarterback. He's a lead eleven finalist. He's he truly was the anchor of this 2023 class. He obviously was at the first commit that was Camden Beebe, but he's the guy that was going out and recruiting guys individually to try to be a part of this class. It's part of the reason why Trey Spidey's in this class. It's part of the reason why a lot of these guys that are on this list that we have today are, are part of this class. So credit to him for going out and recruiting guys with this staff, because that, that speaks a lot on on him and who he is as a, as an individual and as a, as a teammate. Um, As far as just we competed with, for him as well. That is an incredibly impressive list of Oregon and Washington were probably the two main ones, but he's got sec offers from Arkansas. He had Notre Dame, old miss Mizzou, Minnesota. I mean, you name the conference. He had an offer from there. What do you have to say about Avery?
1: I can start. And admittingly, since we've known since July, uh, when he picked K state, it, His entire fall season, we were watching his highlights, watching the plays that he's making. And he just seems like he's one of the most dynamic quarterback recruits we've had in many years. Um, And I I am just I'm, I'm excited to be able to keep a player of his talent in the state of Kansas. I think that's important. Um, obviously there were a lot of teams that, you know, allegedly were reaching out. Um, we were hearing some names and yeah, you know, I, I was always a little bit nervous about (laughs) is is he going to end up at K state, but, you know, seeing him, him sign today. And, you know, the one play over the weekend, he was playing in the all American bowl, the army all American bowl, that one, he had one rollout and that instantly got me like, this kid's going to be really good. I mean, he has he has the eyes to be able to make really good passes across the field. He's going to learn to develop um, in, in that area as well. But just how dynamic he can be running the football um, and being in an offense that if you pair with good speed at the running back position and and the wide receiver, um, you know, leveraging the wide receiver running, it's hard not to be excited about him. It really is. I mean, uh i hope on three updates his uh his stats so we can get him up to a five star by uh january that'd be great but i mean what's not to like about this kid he just seems like such a humble guy and and a guy that's going to fit really really well in this program
0: what is the cutoff for a five star as far as the the like number ranking is it a 95 because he's at 94.5 right now i don't know what for the consensus on yeah. For the consensus. Yeah. I think like, you're,
3: I think it is. I think it is 95. 95.
0: Like he's so, he's so freaking close to being a five-star just do it on three Derek Young. If you're listening to this, help, help us out. Come on. Uh,
3: uh, well, uh, I'll give my little take on Avery. You know, you, you said it perfectly, Matt. He's so explosive. He's so fast. Um, he's got a live arm. Obviously he competed elite 11 with the top quarterbacks in the country. Uh, he he's just out there. I mean, Skylar Thompson did it a little bit for Elite Eleven. He didn't never made the finals like Avery just did, but you know he had a live arm coming out of high school, a fort, a strong four star, and Avery, the the consistent thing that we're gonna need from him is weight. We're gonna need him to put on weight desperately. He has Skylar Thompson, true freshman build. And I mean, obviously, Skyler put that weight on remarkably. And Will Howard was the exact same way. His true freshman season, he was a big boy, but he was a little slimmer in the arms, the shoulders. He just, it just takes time to mature. But how fast can we get Avery physically ready to be a mobile quarterback in the Big 12? Because if you're going to be a mobile quarterback, you're going to take hits. It's just, that's just the way it is.
0: I mean, so, you've you've seen what Coach Trude did with Felix and Udi oh, Uzama, right? <laughs> oh
3: yeah, oh yeah, it's possible. I mean, it is possible. It's, oh, definitely. I mean, we, we don't want him hovering around two fifty like Felix, but you know, <laughs> but it would be nice to get Avery. He's a a solid six three, almost six four. He stands right next to Colin Klein, uh, and Colin Klein is all a six five. He's probably hovering around 170 pounds. We got to get him close to 200. If we can get him close to 200 by the end of his freshman year, I mean there's no reason why he's not getting, pushing for that starting spot if Will Howard decides to leave or however however it pans out. But I said on the Bosco's Boy show, I think if we can get him at a reasonable weight and depending how it looks um, in the sugar bowl with Adrian possibly getting packages there. I would love to see Avery get his own form of packages. Cause he is so explosive. Like Matt said, he's so explosive that you can't keep him off the field, whether that's for four games or five games, however the bowl game thing plays out next year. You gotta get him onto the field, and if we can get the
1: weight on him, he's he's gonna see it and it's gonna be a sight to see. You know what, Chef? I I'm gonna actually disagree with you. I he does have he has development that he needs to do from a physical perspective, as you talked about. And I don't necessarily think getting him on the field next year is I mean, if he Shines, if he shines in spring ball and going into, into fall practice for those types of opportunities, that's great. I I'm not necessarily that optimistic, and it's nothing to do with the talent level, but more of as a true freshman, there are not many situations where even you know, with a lot of these quarterbacks that are five-star, whatever, a lot of them don't see the field their freshman year because they have to develop so much and get used to the fact of playing in the college game is just so much faster than high school. So if he is exceptional in practice to be able to get to that situation, that's great. I, I guess on my side, I'm not necessarily as optimistic just because I think there is going to be that level of development that he's not necessarily going to beat out who we have even at, at a second string level. I
3: guess what I was saying, uh, what what I'm thinking you're saying is that he won't be able to push it to where he could see the field. I think we wouldn't ask for him to do much. He's such an athlete, a level of athlete we haven't had. Even Daniel Sams pushed to get playing time. And he couldn't throw the ball his freshman year. Like, he, he just couldn't. So... If, if Avery – we don't need him to throw. That's not why the, the wrinkle we would put him in there. I think the seasoning that Will Howard got being thrust into playing his true freshman year all kind of uh, culminates into what we're seeing now. It was a little rough, but that it all added to the game slowing down for him. And if we can get Will – like, that is so – not talked about is getting game Live game reps and if We can get Avery in the game for I don't know how many How many times you'd want to see him uh, Six or Seven times a game for the Four game minimum because he's not going to be the True backup Jake Rubly would be the, the true backup if I'm if everything plays out right So just getting him Wrinkles and just getting him in the game is Kind of where you get that Seasoning that lets him see the field and shows his athleticism and gets him seasoned for in the game. That's what I would want to see. Not necessarily for him to be a backup, the true backup. We don't want that. We want, we'd rather have Jake Rubley as our true backup with Will Howard running the show, but I just want to see
1: him get in the game and show that athleticism and get some seasoning. I guess my devil's advocate to that is we need that for Jake Rubley because at the end of the day, the times that we've seen him on the field haven't necessarily been great. And the extra opportunities that we may be able to give Avery Johnson, truthfully, if all of us see the potential of what this team could bring next year. And a lot of it does have to do with Will Howard and how he develops. I mean, he's been really, really good and he's going to have an off season to develop as a true starter, but God forbid something happens to Will and we, We have to bring in Jake Rubley, you know, those extra opportunities, you know, if we're giving Avery five or six plays with live, a live team in a game, I I feel like we need to give Jake Rubley or whoever that backup, that true backup is as much as as much time as possible.
3: Well, well, we're saying two different things because you're saying you want to see, get Jake Rubley ready, but they have totally different games. He has the game that Will Howard has where he's not as mobile And he throws the ball. I want to see Avery Johnson in there not slinging the ball down the field his true freshman season, but using his athleticism in the read option game, getting – if we throw in – I mean, it's similar to what Daniel Sams was, where he brought that mobility and read option game that we wouldn't necessarily have, especially if we don't have Deuce Vaughn back there. The presence of a running game is expanded more if you have an athlete back there like Avery. I don't want him – you would want to see Jake Rubley get in there and be able to show that he has a live arm. Well, we've already seen that. We've already seen what throws he can and can't make, and that's right now. But the seasoning that – I wouldn't want to sub in Jake Rubley for Will Howard – just to see his arm and run the same offense. I want to see a different expansive offense. That's why I said what we see in the sugar bowl with Adrian Martinez getting a package is kind of what I'm envisioning what could happen for Avery Johnson, his true freshman season. Okay. Okay.
0: For the very first time ever, we have Mike Smith here, Mike, what are your takes on Avery Johnson? So far, oh, oh, he just up. oh no, Mike! Damn, I put him, come on, Mike! Damn. I put him on the spot. He just bailed. I, <laughs> uh, I guarantee you, he just didn't know how to work the. He hit
3: stop speaking off instead off of mute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we've we've that's okay because Coley Dub is saving the day. Coley Dub, what do you have on Avery Johnson?
4: What's up, guys? It's been a while. Um, Glad to be back. I've just been busy and whatnot anyway Avery Johnson um shoot I just joined this I don't know I'm excited I hope it's nothing that you know he gets rushed in onto the field for any unnecessary reason um one thing I did see that's pretty cool today I saw some clip on Twitter I think it might have been like Mason Both. um I guess he was interviewing him or something and he just chimed in saying or he asked Avery Johnson about Will Howard and everything and Avery was just talking about how he's like I'm excited for it I just hope he's ready for it because I'm going to be asking him so many questions and he just seemed like he was Avery was really looking forward to being able to learn under Will Howard and just getting better and better with him and hopes that you know he can just learn a lot from him and just kind of gravitate towards him and do all he can off the field you know who knows if he's going to play this next year or not but we'll
0: see hopefully he can get in some playing time with those four games that retain his- I think that's important because recently on three ma, I want to say it was last week or, or the week prior, but on the three Maw pod, they have Will Howard on and he was talking about how when Adrian uh, Martinez initially came into the program, he's like, Oh shoot. Like I'm going to, I'm going to compete with this guy. Like I want to hate this guy. Um, but he ended up becoming really good. If not like best friends with the guy um, and, and has gravitated toward him in a similar fashion. So I'm, I'm hoping Avery and Wilkin can, can, develop a similar bond to the bond that, that will and Adrian have have developed because I think in a lot of ways, it's probably helped slow the game down for will um, granted will also has a ton of reps uh, at the power five level, having to come into situations where he was thrown in to these games where, you know, Skylar Thompson gets hurt and will is immediately thrown to the fire. So hopefully that he, he is able to develop that type of relationship with will and that will hopefully, slow down the game for him in in some ways for to move on. uh, We've got a couple other four star guys and and I'm going with four star because based on on three's ranking individually, not the consensus on three has these three guys ranked as four stars. So we've got Asa Newsom from Waverly shell rock and Waverly, Iowa um, who had offers from Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, Stanford, Mizzou, Kentucky, Vandy, Notre Dame, and Iowa state. We've got Will Lee, the blanket from Kirkwood, Missouri, and uh, Iowa Western Community College, is a four star cornerback. Oregon State flip offers from Alabama, Arkansas, Iowa, Florida State. And then you've got Jordan Allen, who we've talked a little bit about as well from Olathe South. He's a four star edge rusher. See, Oklahoma came in late in the game there. So he had Brent Venables coming to his house doing a home visit very late in the game, along with Tennessee. Um, so you're competing with real blue blood programs for some of these guys, including Jordan Allen, uh, who also have Missouri as uh, an offer, Iowa State, Iowa, KU, USC, Washington, and Illinois. Um, let's talk about those four-star guys, and, and then we could get into some of the rest of the guys. In the-
3: well, I'll start it off. I've already talked to, uh, <clears throat> a little bit about uh, Will Lee. I think he's a plug-and-play guy. All those Juco guys are just plug-and-play guys. I've already talked a little bit about Jordan Allen, and I think Matt said it perfectly describing him as a player. Uh, so I'll talk on ASA Newsom, the new really the newest bring on the cats of before signing day, and that was the surprise to, in my opinion of the class. Uh, I thought we were gonna have a hard time beating out Minnesota. He took out a, a Kentucky official visit right before signing day. I, that spooked me um he, another linebacker 64 and he he might be the fastest of all the linebackers that we have uh he has dreadlocks that's a plus love that you know and he just brings it he plays offense and defense in high school he he's so fast he's very instinctual and he brings the lumber when he comes downhill and hits you I think he could he be a a plug and play guy. I don't necessarily think he's ready to to fill in, but I also didn't think Jake Clifton was. So it's kind of there's a log jam at linebacker right now. There's just so many guys, and we we play three of them, uh, but one of them's kind of a edge rusher. Coverage guy. So, I mean, traditionally we have two traditional linebackers. We got Jake Clifton, Austin Moore. Those those two have already played this year. Toby Toby O uh, Toby Obensami, He was a highly touted recruit that we we snagged last year from Wichita. Uh, Kirk Ski's coming in. He's coming in JUCO ready to play. And then you got Asa Newsom. I mean, wow. Luxury of riches is, is what you can say. So where does he fit in? He's, if you think about it, he's the most highly touted of them all. So I I want to see him develop. I want to see him stick around in the program. And he is a if you listen to his interviews, he's a kid with his head on straight. So I I'm assuming he's not going anywhere and I'm, I'm happy for that.
1: Yeah. And I'll just say something quick about will Lee. Um, you know, this has been yet another year where we hit the transfer portal for a very senior, experienced guy in the secondary. I think he's going to be, as you said, a great replacement for Julius Brents. And hopefully if – I would love to see Echo Boydo come back. Um, but if not, obviously – Jacob Parrish and and young guys that are gonna fill the other cornerback spot. But we we need somebody with this experience. And I'll say it, if he can be a blanket in the Big 12, which is what you need. I mean, especially as you know, from the conference as a whole, great quarterbacks, great wide receivers, it that could be the biggest pickup for us. He really could be the the pickup that changes the trajectory of this team next year. Matt, I gotta say this: uh, not a transfer portal kid.
3: He's a JUCO kid. So, if if I'm looking at this <laughs> right, he's just a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, all right. I, I mean, we could if he's highly touted and he fits just like <laughs> you said, Julius Brent's role. We could have him for two or two more years. In all honesty, like. It's exactly like Julius, like you said, just like Julius Brinch. Julius Brinch came in as a junior, and this guy's coming in as a sophomore. I think, a, yeah, a sophomore, true sophomore at that. If I'm, I gotta look at that right, but I'm pretty sure he's either a sophomore or a redshirt freshman. Was this was his redshirt freshman year at Iowa West Western? God, I can't say that right, but I we could have this guy for a long time. So it's 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 luxury of riches. This is what happens when you bring hardware home. You recruit like this.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think moving on, I do want to talk about this another surprise of the day, which which you could classify it as a surprise. I was definitely kind of on pins and needles waiting for this one, but but Trey Spivey. He's a high three-star. He had offers from Arizona, Arizona State, Oklahoma State, and BYU. Um, I, I didn't know if we were going to get this guy, to be totally honest with you. I, I know that Avery played a pretty crucial role in his in his recruitment. Um, what what are some of your initial thoughts on, on Trey Spivey? Do you think he's a guy that could potentially compete for wide receiver role next year, knowing that we are losing probably de- – definitely – Malik, more than likely Malik, but do we know if we're losing Phillip Brooks? Like there, there's some, there's some things to be decided at the wide receiver position. But curious if you think Spivey's going to be competing for for a job next year?
1: I don't know if he'll necessarily be competing for a starting job. Do I think he has the potential? Kind of as I said before, to be out there for some plays and 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 I don't know if necessarily significant playing time, but to be able to, to at least get some snaps, yes. I think the wide receiver position is pretty full now with Trey Spivey coming in because we've obviously brought in Keegan Johnson from Iowa. We have guys like R.J. Garcia, uh, who's gotten some time. Um, Jaden Jackson, redshirted from Ole Miss. We forget about like Sterling Lockett, uh, who was doing some great things on the scout team. So we have players that we don't, first off, we don't necessarily know how the wide receiver room and how these, these guys are going to do next year, because it's going to be a lot of early on figuring out, okay, who's going to be the number one guy who's going to be, you know, in the slot and and whatnot. But that does make it exciting because of how we saw Will Howard air the ball out on the last half of the season. So bringing in a guy like Spivey and looking at his, uh, his tape, he, looks very dynamic in that position. Uh, he was a huge pickup for us. I'm really glad that we were able to sign off on him and, and, and get him to be a wildcat. And I do think he has the potential to get a few snaps.
0: Well, and maybe, maybe we could do it this way. You bring up some of the guys who are already in the room. Maybe we just talk through some of the other wide receivers who are in the class all at the same time. Um, you've got Trey Spivey. You also have Andre Davis, who I think we were all really excited about when he initially committed. You also have, uh, Jace Brown from Florida. And then you've got, uh, finally kind of rounding it out of Wesley Watson, who was a Colorado flip. Um, and that was a big that was a big recruitment win as well. Um, any, any other thoughts on any of these other wide receiver guys and, and how they fit in chef?
3: Yeah. I mean, Trey Spivey, I mean, it's kind of a tale of two Arizona receivers, and we, t- we took a, a first-half push for Jacoby Lane. That didn't pan out. Committed to USC. We got beat out for that, but Trey Sp- uh, Spivey was always there, and we were kind of subtly pushing for him the whole way through. Uh, he was kind of an Arizona lean and you know we brought him we finally got him and like you said avery had a big part in that the and matt did a good job breaking down the room of what we have available and nobody's job is solidified i think outside of keegan and rj nobody is locked in and that's just two receivers and you know how we rotate receivers especially the only reason we didn't rotate this year was because of how veteran those guys were i don't think of all the receivers coming back i mean seth porter might be the only senior coming back and he has zero career catches maybe two or three um so he
0: does some good stuff the, on special teams, rec- though, I, I
3: will say. That. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. No, no, I'm not knocking Not knocking the Porter brothers. Those those guys are my special team's aces, and I love them for that. Um, but the wide receiver room is wide open. So, Brendan Hawkins, who knows if he'll be here next year? Uh, who was a receiver from last year? Like you said, Jaden Jackson. We expected bigger things from him. He redshirted, so he has one or two more years ready to go to try to make a name for himself. But there's no reason if you're physically able to go, you've got to be able to show up and do it. And him and Andre, Andre Davis and Spivey are the biggest receivers other than Brennan Hawkins, who would be on the roster that are over 6'4". All these other guys are six foot, six foot one, around that area. Watson's kind of in that 6'2", range. But you, if you can show up physically able to play, you're going to get run in this wide receiver room, and that's that's exciting. And it's versatility, really, because I think Keegan Johnson is kind of that guy that can go on those jet sweeps like Malik Knowles could. Um, RJ is a good outside receiver, and we're looking for that Phillips that Philip Brooks guy that could be that that go-to receiver across the middle out flats and like Malik Knowles running those jet sweeps. So we're looking for receivers. Trey Spivey, can you do it? Can you get those jump balls? Can you, can you be that guy? And I think you can, it's just who's going to prove it first. I mean, shit. Cause we, we brought in, we brought in six six or five receivers this class.
0: I want to say, say five. Forward.
3: I want to say five. That's a, f- that's a shit ton of receivers to bring in one class. So obviously that screams to me, somebody, we want somebody to prove it. And if it's true freshman, it's true freshman. I don't give a damn, just somebody to produce.
0: Well, if you talk about guys who can go up and get the ball, we have one on the team already and his name's Ben Sinnott. He plays tight end or, or H-back. And we brought in two more tight ends into this class. And I think Rodeo Cat brings up a great a great point in the chat. You know, Tight ends are a crucial part of this offense as well, and they are going out and they're running routes and they're catching balls in the end zone as well. The guys that we brought in are Andrew Metzger, who's from Regis Jesuit out here in Denver, Colorado. He's 6'5", 235, tight end. Uh, That was a recruiting win against Colorado, Nebraska, Duke, and Wazoo. He's going to be a good addition, I think, and I think as far as he's already got some good weight on him, he doesn't have as far to go as, as Will Anzio, I think from a putting on weight and being kind of play ready at the, at the power five level, Will Anzio, tight end, 6'6, 210 from my alma mater, Cape Mount Carmel in Wichita, Kansas. Um, what are y'all thoughts on, on the, the two tight ends that we brought in and, and chef, I know you also wanted to talk what rooms or what positions do you feel like we maybe have too many guys? Uh,
3: well, I'll say this. I think Bringing in another tight end along with Will Anzio and Taylor Bratt said on a 3 mall pod that I heard today, he, I mean, they were telling Will Anzio that he was going to be the only tight end that they brought in. Now, if you read the tea leaves, I don't want to start any rumors, but it's just the way it is. Uh, the way our offense runs, there's very, very few opportunities for a fullback. And uh, Lee Pack at the beginning of the season, uh, the tight ends coach said that they're interchangeable, that this is what that you have to be able to cross train to do both. So if we're bringing in two freshmen tight end, that tells me that the fullback room is getting uh, trimmed down and that we're going to carry six, six, seven tight ends at a time that are going to be able to have to play that H back position and, split out wide at tight end and be an inline blocking tight end as well. So you're losing Sammy Wheeler, you're losing Connor Fox. So it makes sense to bring in another tight end. And if you can find one of the quality that we did in Metzger, I mean, God sign him up. So he's more ready, I think than anzio but I think Anseo in the long run is going to be a very solid tight end that can go up and get it across the middle. But, Vincent, it is very few and far between where you got that H back six four, six three, two hundred and fifty 250 pounds, but can go up and get it. So I like where our tight end room is at, but it makes me concerned for the fullback
1: room in Jacksonine. Yeah, that, I mean, this offense does not necessarily operate with a fullback anymore. It isn't the case. State teams of old, um, you know, the tight end room, we, this past season, had six guys in there. And um, that was counting, obviously, Connor Fox. Um, you know, we have a good number of sophomores in there and, and freshmen. Uh, you're talking about the sophomores and Ben Sinnott The tight end position is one that, historically, with Chris Kleiman's teams in North Dakota State, they leveraged the tight end position and played two tight ends. And, and this was my expectation at some point as he developed this team and he got the roster to where he ne- needed it to be that the tight end position would play more importance on the field. And then in the recruiting space, I think will an from what I've seen, he has some development that he's going to have to put together. And that's not a bad thing um, at the end of the day. He's got, it looks like he has strong hands. Um, he has some improvement and just, you know, from a route running perspective, but, Andrew Metzger, getting him to flip from Colorado, he could be a guy that could pair with Ben Sinnott and play some snaps next year. If we're playing two tight ends out there, having a guy who can run in space, big body, he could be one of those guys that gets some time, he'll develop, he'll put weight on, and he could easily be a guy like Ben Sinnott his sophomore year, um, so a couple years from now. So I'm excited about the tight end room that we have, um, and there are guys that are in there right now that are going to be competing for some playing time too. I mean, we saw Will Swanson on the field this season, so there there's definitely a lot. Um, there, there's a lot of bodies in that room, but it is one that it's going to be more and more important to have athletic tight ends, and uh, that can be a mismatch problem in the Big 12.
3: Yeah, very similar to, like, how Iowa State did it when, I mean, not that we want to emulate an eight-win team or whatever because we're winning titles, but, you know, what they did with Charlie Kohler. So, I mean, we have Ben Senate, obviously established number one. Will Swanson, like you said, is going to be competing for time. Uh, Garrett Oakley, a true freshman this past season, long. We're hearing good things about him Will he fill out? Will he be able to do it? Uh, you know, losing Sammy Wheeler is going to be a little bit underrated than what we thought because he he didn't put the numbers up that we thought, but he was a good inline blocker that helped Ben Senate uh, get open more than we think. So finding somebody to take that role because we will run two tight ends. We're going to keep doing that. So trust these guys and maybe Mesker is the, is
0: the key. For sure. And I think as far as if we want to talk about skilled position players on offense, really the last one to talk about is Joe Jackson. I think a lot of people have mentioned, if we are talking about any other K state class, any other year, the last 15 years, he would have probably been the highest rated recruit recruit in the class in a lot of cases. So let's talk a little bit about Joe Jackson. I do also want to talk a little bit about, um, the, the offensive lineman that we brought in and then pivot over to defense, talk about some of those guys individually, but let's talk about Joe Jackson.
3: Matt, get at him. You know, that's your guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I am extremely excited for, for Joe Jackson. I I've always been, um, I, I, <laughs> My feeling about him is he has the potential to at some point he'll be the lead back. We through the fall, obviously there was talk about John Randall, Dylan Edwards when Dylan Edwards, um, you know, originally committed, but Joe Jackson has been there. You know, he's been been a guy that's that's committed. He stayed committed, and I so I watched his video of his commitment today and. It really speaks to, I mean, how much he cares about K State and wants to be a part of K State. Um, and I, as a speed back, he's going to be somebody who he. And I mean, everybody's going to have to put on put on some weight, put on some muscle, but he's a speedy guy. He really is, and I think he'll pair well, especially if with DJ Giddens. You know, being, you know, the the massive runner that DJ Giddens is having a, a a back with some pretty good speed is gonna gonna be a nice spell for DJ Giddens. Again, assuming Deuce Vaughn won't be with us next year, um, he'll be in the NFL. So, I, I just I'm really excited to see how Joe Jackson develops, and you know, with all the Dylan Edwards shit going on. It, this guy has been one that has stayed with K State. Has been true with K State, and I, I don't think anybody here can 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 say anything bad about about a player who sticks with a commitment and knows that he has the potential to be part of something special here.
3: Yeah, never. I mean, Joe Joe Jackson is em all through and through. He he bleeds the purple. You know, he's crying at his. Signing day. I mean, he is emotional about this. He's invested, and it's it's funny how the recruitment for the running backs went. Uh, we went from we got Joe Jackson, we got Dylan Edwards, and we're thinking, oh, could we take three running backs? Uh, Dylan Edwards has his cup of coffee and leaves to go to Notre Dame, has a cup of coffee there, and he goes to Colorado. So, and then John Randall doesn't commit. He goes, somehow he makes it because eligibility was always, I think, the concern um, for for Randall, and he finds a way to get into Utah. I don't know how that's going to pan out, but we got one running back in the class, which is a surprise because we thought for sure that we were going to have at least two, maybe even three, but Joe Jackson is the guy. He was, like you said, Matt, he's Always been there. He's ride or die with it. He he committed the same. Did he commit the same day as Avery? I know it was around the same time. That July fourth, fifth area. Oh, it was it was definitely um, within a
0: week or at least a couple days. It was right around that same time.
3: Yeah, yeah. And you know he's a one cut back. He catches the ball at the backfield. If you watch his highlight tapes, hell, he looks like he's playing receiver half the time. He he's so fluid that one cut. And it, the offense that they run down there looks almost identical to the run run plays that we run with Deuce, where he's getting that slow motion reading it, one cut, and he's out of there, make a man miss. And it, he he was putting video game numbers up in high school. It was bananas, three hundred and fifty yard rushing games, and with a hundred yards receiving sometimes in the same game. So he hit the productions there. And if you listen to Chris Kleiman, I mean, I have to take these coaches at their word at some point. He says that Joe Jackson is probably the guy that will probably see the field the earliest. And that makes Matt And if it makes Matt smile, it makes me smile. So I'm excited to see what he can do as a true freshman, for God's sake. Let's go.
0: And on and on that note of uh, guys who are connected with the program and guys who who going to praise, I think the the first guy I want to talk about in the O line group is Camden Beebe. This guy he already fits in. He's, his brother's in the program, Cooper Beebe. This dude just again listening to Derek Young and um, and Taylor Bratt talk about the recruiting class on three today. I mean, it, it sounds like he's already part of the program. They're trying to get this guy doing, you know, suicides and stuff in, in, the, uh, in the indoor facility with, with the rest of the team. So I'm excited for Camden Beebe. But the other two uh, offensive linemen that we brought in are Jackson Fulmer from, from Rocky Mountain High School in Meridian, Idaho. He's 6'4", 250. And then you've got Devin Voss, who, who Deon Savage already talked about, but he's from Lakeland, Florida, uh, Lakeland High School in Bartow, Bartow, uh, Florida. He's 6'5", 270. These guys already have a decent amount of weight on them and big bodies, like 6'5", 6'4". How big is Camden Beattie? He's 6'2". So he's he's on the smaller side compared to the the other two guys. But uh, let's talk about the offensive linemen and and how long do you think it's going to take for these guys to to put on the weight that they need to in order to kind of fill some of these gaps that – will eventually come on the offensive line, knowing that we're going to return a majority, if not everybody, for the offensive line next year. But we're going to have gaps to fill after next year.
1: I'm excited about these offensive line recruits because of the fact that they will have a year to develop and learn the position in the college level and not necessarily feel like they have to step on the field. The fact that we're going to have – Seniors, super, you know, five five year senior, fifth year seniors, coming back to really fill that offensive line and be that senior group. That's going to be the type of mentorship that these younger players coming in in this recruiting class and even the you know this past year's recruiting class again another year. I ultimately think that is going to be huge for their development. That they don't get pushed out there too early and they they just have the ability to learn I mean the the college game is just so quick and it's so so much it's so strong compared to high school and uh, I'm excited for for these these guys uh, Camden Beebe (laughs) just seeing him he seems like the the direct opposite of Cooper um seems like a little bit of a wild wild card wild child but that's not a bad thing I mean I I think it's great um but at the end of the day offensive line has been a, a strong position group for us consistently through the years, we find diamonds in the rough on this line and and guys that work hard and end up getting into a starting role and they come together and, and do great things. And, and I don't see anything different here. I, I think really it's, it's a gift that we are going to have a, almost all of our offensive line coming back. That's the rumor at least. And, uh, which will be helpful for next year and helping develop these guys move forward.
3: You you couldn't have said it any better. And Camden BB, he's the eccentric guy, eccentric guy. Is that am I saying that right? I don't know. Eccentric. He, he's out there. Yeah, he's out there. He's he's the life of the party, it seems like. Uh you know, we need those guys, the guys that are. They'll put their head through a wall and and get the team going. And like like Matt said, we're bringing the whole O-line back potentially. I think Cooper wants to play with his little brother a little bit. Uh, I think that's some motivation there. And these guys, like you said, they need time to develop. I think Voss is kind of ready to play a little bit. Um, He does look a little thinner than I thought he was in pictures. So maybe he needs time to develop, but we have so many O-linemen that are potentially ready to go, especially if you think about if Taylor Portier comes back, Joe Pastores is, is strong. I mean, he looks mammoth, and it looked like he could be taking the tackle spot at any time. Andrew Linegang is so versatile. He, who knows where he could be playing, if he could be starting. And if you listen to the rumors about the O-line coming back, Nobody's spot is guaranteed, maybe except Cooper's. Uh, maybe Hayden Gillum. I don't know. It was still a battle between him and, and Liney for that center spot. So I don't know. The, the O line is in good hands letting these guys develop. Clem, still developing, could be playing, uh, eventually pretty down the, down the road pretty soon. You got, uh, What's the Drake Bethquith? He's, they said he was probably the most ready of them all last year. Uh, he might have taken a step back, but, you know, that's just because Joe Pastor is so strong. But this this O-line class that's coming in, Voss, I mean, nobody's talking about Jackson Fulmer. And an Idaho kid, you know, you get those kids from middle of nowhere, let him become a technician, learning under big, big time guards like Hadley Panzer and Cooper Beebe. This guy could be all Big Twelve if you think about it. Six four, two eighty, right now. God yeah.
0: bless America. If I, if I remember right, I think we were the first team to offer Jackson Fulmer. Um, or we were we were at least the first Power Five offer. Yeah. He ended up getting additional offers from Oregon State, Colorado, Wazoo, Boise State. Not not Power Five, but a but a good one program. Do we think Connor Riley is the best talent evaluator on this team? Knowing that he's taken diamonds in the rough like Hadley Panzer and developed you know a two star guy from middle of nowhere Western Kansas and turned him into a guy that if we if we needed Panzer to start he could start tomorrow if we needed him to. I, I believe that. Oh, um, you got Jackson Fulmer. You've got some of these other guys. Do Do we think Connor Riley's the best talent evaluator and and developer of talent
3: no, on this team? No doubt. I mean, if you think about it, uh, the the hits that he has and the retention rate that he's that he's got. Because I would argue that Van Malone is probably the talent evaluator. I was gonna say he'd probably he, be second. He gets he gets the guys, but the The rate that these guys are going in and out of that corner room, um, I can't blame them. I mean, T. Denson saw the writing on the wall, which I think was a big mistake because he could have been playing. But, you know, there's been some fluidity to that room. I mean, maybe Joe Klanderman, the safety rooms, evaluating the portal and getting these safeties to come in there. Maybe he's number one. I mean... Who have we lost lost from the safety room? I can't I mean he 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 evaluated Kobe Savage. He evaluated Josh Hayes. Obviously he had a relationship with him at at NDSU. Uh Perry starting as a freshman. I am not Perry. Um B- yeah. BJ Payne. Payne. Not not Perry. Payne. Maybe Perry is a guy that can play down the road. He's super athletic, loves fishing. I mean these guys could potentially be them. Maybe it's Klanderman. but you can't knock Riley's chops in recruiting and and in, in developing talent because it, the the proof is in the pudding. He's he's done it.
1: I mean, I think all of our coaches are number one. Am I right? Well, they're all. Big that's, a out, huh? so, uh, that's a cop out.
0: That's a cop out.
1: No, I I. I think uh, Connor Riley, if I had to choose a coach, really has done a fantastic job of not necessarily just improving three-star guys, you know, guy. I mean, guys that were heavily recruited, but he finds a way to work those types of of players with those walk-ons or. You know, random. I don't like to say random, but but players that don't necessarily have a lot of the acclaim and he sees the the work ethic that they have uh, in the recruiting process to determine if they have the ability to, to come to K-State and develop themselves, work hard and be part of a team. And I, I if I had to choose a coach, I, I do think it would be Connor Riley for what the proof is in the pudding with him.
3: You know we we shit on no no we don't shit on we don't shit on anybody all like you said all the coaches are a one uh, pedigree goose steak but Coach Tui doesn't get the credit that he kind of deserves I mean we always kind of thought of him as the the maybe standard took that job, but I don't know, but Tui we never really got the respect that he kind of deserves. I mean, huggy turning Huggins into the, the player he is now evaluating Timmy horn, bringing him in who was uh, Wiley. I mean, Wiley came out of nowhere and was a stud, a stud for us at nose guard and D tackle, you know, he he deserves a lot more credit than than I think we give him. And uh, who was with Wiley? Uh, Deshawn Deshawn was kind of just an athlete. Uh, that was he was reasonable at D tackle until Tui got a, a hold of him, and he he had an explosive senior year. I think Tui is good at evaluating. He's a little slow on recruiting these guys. Um, so I think we're going to talk about that holes in the defense that need filled, but once Tui gets their, his hands on him, he gets these guys tough and ready to play.
0: Agreed. I, I think he's definitely flown under the, under the radar. He's not a coach that's talked about very frequently. I think whether that's in Kleiman's press conferences or, or on K-State football podcasts, things like that, he really doesn't, doesn't get talked about all that often. So, so I appreciate you giving him his flowers there. Um, kind of, Speaking a little bit more on the defense, let's let's talk a little bit more about the linebacker position group. I know we've talked a little bit about Terry Kirksey. We've talked about Rex Van Wy, but some of the other guys in the linebacker room here that are coming in with this recruiting class. You've got Colin Dunn from, from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, uh, who, you know, he's right in Alabama's backyard. He had multiple Power 5 offers, one not from Alabama, but uh, he had offers from Pitt. He had offers from... Shoot, where am I on the on the outline here? I'm totally forgetting where we're at. Uh, Pitt, West Virginia, Maryland. So he had multiple Power Five offers. Uh, a couple other guys in the linebacker room. We've got Austin Romaine. He didn't have a ton of offers. I think K State was his only major offer. Um, and then I don't know that we have any other linebackers in this class. We've we've already talked about Rex Van Wyand, We've already talked about. Um, Asa Newsome. So let's talk about some of the other guys that that we haven't already talked about in the linebacker room. And then we can move on to uh, kind of the edge guys and corners and then ultimately safeties.
1: Well, I think this is a year um, that won't necessarily be seeing true freshman linebackers on the field. And that has nothing to do with necessarily the talent level of these Guys that we're bringing in, but because of the fact that, you know, we have Kersley coming in, Rex coming in, um, and, you know, I mean, Newsom is a four-star athlete, but how much does he potentially have to develop? Um, so guys like Colin Dunn and, and Austin, I don't necessarily think we're they're going to see the field their freshman year we have learned over time, and this is something that we have seen with our linebacking core in the past. We do a really good job of developing those linebackers. And so are these guys that can start junior year, start senior year, you know, be guys that can develop into, you know, some of these linebackers will be pass rushers or going out into coverage. So it'll be interesting to see the development of them. Um, I, Number one, I always love. I I, I think especially because we're playing Alabama. You know, pulling pulling an athlete from Tuscaloosa is is always uh, is always fun. But you know, the linebacking room is is historically been really good for us, um, and and we develop players really well in those positions. But having a couple of geco guys that are going to be coming in there. Um, and potentially taking over for Daniel Green. And then how are they going to assimilate with Austin Moore? And, and how well Austin Moore played this year? It will be fun to watch to see how the this position develops.
3: I mean, God damn. And if, if I didn't look at your outline just now, it, it shocks me. How many freaking linebackers we have on this team? It's insane. I mean, like you said, Colin Dunn, Austin Romaine. Asa Newsom, I mean, and then the two Juco guys. And then we also, like I said, we had Toby O, Jake Clifton, Austin Moore. I mean, we've got a bounty of linebackers. I don't know where we're going to play all these guys. And I'm assuming that we've told these guys that they're going to – they're redshirting, they're going to do all that, and they're going to develop. But, I mean, we've got the gambit of sizes, speeds, uh, molds for different linebackers i would assume that colin dunn's gonna come in and play weak side because he's uh more of the build of austin moore like not necessarily tallest guy but he's quick fills the holes uh t- i mean uh, just a missile when he comes downhill uh he's a little light i mean last i saw he he was weighing like 190 so yeah he's gonna have to he's gonna have to fill out uh, Austin Romaine, he he's got an awesome name. I love a salad reference, Caesar dressing. I mean, if we can get something going along those lines, but you said he didn't have the offers, but he was probably the most productive of all the linebackers that we've signed. In all honesty, in Missouri, he was. I mean, in what did he play? A Hillcrest? No, that was that was done. Uh, but just the Hillsboro, maybe. But he was absolutely productive, and he has the prototypical frame that – I mean, I think we're just going to recruit monster giants at linebacker from here on out. I mean, he's 6'4", 210 pounds. If we can get these guys filled out – I mean, we, we have so many linebackers. I think we'll just play 11 linebackers at a time at every spot and just roll the ball out there and tell them to go. You want
0: to talk about big guys. We're, we're talking edge now. KD Obiazor, this guy is massive. He's 6'6, 245. This guy, you put a little extra weight on him. He's going to be knocking guys around. Uh, super, super excited for him. A couple other guys at Edge. Uh, I think we only had three total. So we've already talked about Jordan Allen from Olathe South. He we won him over Oklahoma, Oklahoma here at the end. And then the last guy is Ryan Davis from Sandra Day O'Connor High in Phoenix, Arizona. He's a three-star edge and we beat him uh, or we beat out Washington state and Oregon state for him. So, so let's talk a little bit about these edge guys, but but specifically Keedy. that guy is huge.
1: I'm trying to think of the Baylor player. I, I hate Baylor obviously, but they had a defensive end that I remember in like a bowl game. He, Wore like his jersey, like halfway up. Oakman. Oh, the Bear yeah, Midriff guy, Sean Oakman. Yeah, Sean Oakman. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> <he> in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's in prison now. But um, he was. I'm pretty sure he was like six five, six six, six seven, something like that. Um, and so having a six having nine. A guy of just that. Six six oh eighty seven wow, that's going to completely take away my argument now <laughs> of having this like tall guy. And then you have a six, nine guy. Well, anyway, you know, from an edge position, I mean, that is one thing necessarily from a height perspective, it, you can be successful in an edge position and you don't necessarily have to be, you know, six, eight or whatever, you know, Sean Oakman was. Um, but if you have a guy who has that type of height who can, really play a part in just trying to bowl over your offensive tackles. He could be that guy for us. Um, and we have done a really good job, really, really good job in finding talent in the edge position. If you think about it, I mean, not just with Felix, but you know, with how Khalid Duke has developed into the position. And I brought up Nate Matlack and Brendan Mott earlier, um, this is this is a position we've historically done a great job in finding talent. And whether Lady or Ryan Davis or as you know, I mentioned before, Jordan Davis, it, this is gonna be a really uh, a really fast position group for us. And hopefully they develop into into players that can stick in the system and in three the three five five and, and do their thing. Uh, yeah, if we're going to, I mean, if we're
3: going to talk about dudes, uh, Chidi Obiazor, Ob- I mean, my player, I mean, if you think about it, his brother plays DB at TCU. He, if you want to see some freaky shit, like, and I'm not talking the stuff that you're thinking about, I'm talking about Chidi Obiazor on the basketball court. That is scary. Watch his highlights of him playing basketball. It is, I mean, it's laughable. It's so awesome to watch him play basketball. He's so athletic, uber-athletic, first off the bus guy. I mean, if he fills out, he could be a nose guard. Let's be honest. He's 6'5". He's probably about 260 right now. If he fills out and puts some weight on where he could, he could be a nose He could be a Eli Huggins. Uh, a guy that's hovering around 290, but is as strong as an ox and, is, and uses his hands well. He's very raw. He, I mean, he doesn't play football all that much. He was a basketball player, for God's sakes. So, I mean, that guy has unlimited tap potential. If we're talking about the most potential of anybody on the team, it's probably that guy. Even of Avery Johnson. This guy is unlimited Unlimited and is, uh, call him Mr. Unlimited like uh,
0: <laughs> like Russell Wilson. That freaking nerd. But, uh, that freaking
3: uh, And then Ryan Davis, I mean, I don't know what to make of him. He's He kind of reminds me, if this is going to be maybe too far-fetched, but Wyatt Hubert, he reminds me so much of yeah. his tape when he was in high school, 6'5", uh, 6'4". Six, 255 ready to go right now. Um he's filled in perfectly. Uh he played a good decent league in Arizona. So these guys are gonna be ready to play uh sooner rather than later. Um Felix leaving might accelerate that process. So I mean who knows? Who knows where it's gonna go? I want to see Cheedy reach his potential and and Ryan just to stay his nose to the ground and keep attacking because he could be on the same parallel as Ma if, if, if everything plays out.
0: I like that. I like that comparison. Look, I think this episode's going to go long tonight. So we're just, we're going to keep going. We've got cornerbacks and safeties and then we'll move on to our bowl pickups, but cornerbacks, we've got five guys, I believe in this class We've already talked about Will Lee, the blanket. That dude is going to be incredible, probably a day one starter, um, or at least getting significant snaps from day one, game one. But other guys, we've got a high three-star, Donovan McIntosh from from St. Mary's Dragons in St. Louis, Missouri. Um, That guy is solid. Kenigel Thomas from Oklahoma City. He was a recruiting victory over Oklahoma State for sure. Uh, Texas Tech was on that list, Iowa State, Memphis – um, some good programs there. We also have, who do we have here? Sorry, I'm just like looking this up in real time. Uh, that's, that's, hold on. Donovan McIntosh, Canigel Thomas, Will Lee. And then the, the fourth guy is Marcus Siegel. And he's a transfer, so we don't have to talk about him. So there's four guys. So let's talk about the two that we haven't talked about yet. K'Nigel Thomas and Donovan McIntosh.
3: Well, let's not forget about Jack Fabris, too. All right, let's not oh, forget shoot. about my guy. Is he that listed is as something guy.
0: different? Is he listed as something th- different? He's listed as a safety. He's listed as a safety. We're talking. You.
3: My bad, my oh, bad. We're talking you're corners. Good. We're talking corners, right?
0: We're talking corners.
3: Oh, my bad. Well, you know, we've got the freshman that fills the role of I – think, I think that might be just our new go-to. We have the extremely long corner – And then we have the lightning fast corner on the other end and we've got blanket. That's going to be able to play right now. And McIntosh is going to be right behind him. His arms touch the ground when he runs. Uh, He's lightning fast. And once he gets open, like, you know, that 200 meter speed, he's, he blazes. It takes him a little bit to go. So a quick area burst might be something that he has to work on, but once he gets rolling, it, it, he'll run you down. Uh, who was the other corner that you said? Uh, McIntosh, Blanket, and who else? Nigel Thomas. Thomas. From Dell oh, Del City, I Oklahoma. Mean, yeah, and th- the the thing about him, I mean, Taylor Bratt says he's the best athlete of all the recruits that they just signed, which is saying something because he's he is a freaky athlete, but his brother is coming up in that next class in that twenty twenty four class. And I don't know what's going on with these people's DNA. Uh, but, you know, he's a six four, two hundred and ninety pound offensive lineman and he's a going into his so his senior year. Well, it's just his junior year. He's going into his his senior year and that's his little brother. And I think we're going to try to get in on him. So having draw on the team to get the little brother is a strategy I like.
1: Well, and I'll add, I actually think he D.Y. compares him to Jacob Parrish um, in the KSO evaluation. And if that's the case, then we saw Jacob Parrish as a true freshman play. That that means something to me. Um, He looks like a speedy defender from his video. Um, He really looks like he understands the position. Um, he obviously will have to develop into, you know, being able to cover some of these really, really good wide receivers with speed in the Big 12. But um, Thomas was somebody that Dy had specifically said he he is a, a player that could be just like Jacob Parish. So um, talking about another guy who could potentially be playing some snaps in his first season. And then Donovan Mitchell or Donovan Mitchell, Donovan MacIntosh, um, was a guy who we were on on the trail pretty early with, and so um, you know it was it wasn't necessarily much of a a battle I would say um, at least from what I had heard. But at the end of the day, he has some really good physical traits, and and you know he is a guy who's pretty long. Um, so uh, you know, especially at that position, you need length. You need quickness and agility and it, it seems like McIntosh will be one of those players as well so for the cornerback position those are those are two players that really as freshmen we should be pretty excited about knowing that this past season we've had to put young players in the cornerback position to cover for for injuries and whatnot so it'll be cool to see what we will get from these two um, potentially in 2023.
0: Agreed. And to round it out, we're almost finished. We've got the safety position group, of which we have Wesley Fair. He was a local guy from Wichita Collegiate. He was a recruiting win over Iowa State, Colorado State, Louisiana Tech, and Harvard, of all places. Uh, so he must be a smart guy, which is a great thing to have when you're a defensive back. We've also got Cameron Salas from Kennedale, Texas. He's a three-star uh, competitive win against to lane in Arizona State. And then Jack Fabris, we talked about him briefly um, when, when Chef thought he was in the cornerback position group, but obviously DBs. It's, it can be kind of interchangeable sometimes. Klanderman recruit, son of a former K-State coach, uh, John Fabris, who was a defensive end coach in both Snyder 1.0 and 2.0. He's from North Oconee, however you pronounce that, in Bogart, Georgia. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on the safety position group, and then we can move on to our bowl Pickham edition, and then any other spots that you feel like we maybe need to get filled by the transfer portal.
1: Um, I'll quickly just mention Jack Fabris, quick. So there's something to be said about a coach's son, and and how they can come in, and and they've been around football since they, you know, since he was a young young kid, right? And he's been around the program, the K State program. And do I necessarily think he's a guy that could come in and, and get snaps his freshman year? I don't necessarily think so, but just being brought up in an environment of not just football, but K state football and, and, and whatnot has to take, we have to take that into account um, for somebody like him. Um, so I, I, absolutely wanted to at least mention that piece. I think that's super important. Um, Wesley Fair, he seems like a a really good athlete, Um, obviously played a lot at safety. I know somebody in the chat mentioned playing quarterback, um, but having somebody who understands both sides of the field, especially just the game of football in general, um, is always going to be helpful in a safety position that you know, as we saw this season, we've had some injuries and we've had some young guys that have had to come in and, and play. And, and so having somebody who's smart and understands, you know, the position and what they need to do is absolutely key there too. Uh, the safety position is one that, you know, we've done really, really well in the transfer portal and getting Juco guys in the past. And, and so yet again, um, I I feel like safety is one of our strongest positions and, and Bringing in some strong recruits there is is super helpful.
3: Yeah, Jack Fabris. I mean Fabris. Yeah, he's. I mean, when I think of him, I think of automatic. He's one of those scholarship guys that we get, and is like a four year starter on all the special teams. He could play. I think he's athletic enough where he could play right away. And it, and he's invested enough in the K-State program that he knows about the special team history. And <clears throat> we could get him to play, not necessarily a gunner, but on one of those punt uh, punt returns, making one of those walls. He, he could be one of those guys that we think about similar to the Porters or uh, you know, just a, a Brock Mani. The guy that's coming but to mind for me also- is
0: kind of like Jonathan Truman, just like a guy who who can he yeah. he can he can, he can get some reps in a game outside of special teams and get some good tackles here or there, make some flashy plays, but really, really shines on the special team side.
3: Exactly. And, and you can't underestimate or put a value on how important it is to have those leaders. I mean, how many times have we had a captain – of the, of the football team be a special teams ace. And this guy could quintessentially be that uh, from day one if he really wanted to, if he put his mind to it. And I like that. You know, a guy that could play a safety linebacker, hybrid, who knows where he'll play on the defense or how it'll work out. But I think he'll always have a, a mind for special teams. And I think that's important. Uh, we win a lot of games like that. Um, Wesley Fair. I mean, you said it, Harvard. Harvard offers, so you know he's smart, really good, longtime friend of Avery Johnson. I think they're going to be roommates if I if I heard that correctly. Uh, so he's invested in K-State program just about as much as anybody. I really like these safeties. Um, Salas from Texas, athletic, a ball hawk. You know, we haven't had a lot of those. Come out of the, the high school ranks Where they're they're attacking The ball in the air He reminds me a lot of uh, Kendall Adams uh, Which is I mean before he got hurt His athleticism was spooky uh, Especially in that Pick versus Texas A&M You know Kendall Adams would be a good comp And I, I would really like to see him turn that Into his career at K-State Because I'll take another Kendall Adams right now
0: Hell yeah. Last thing on recruits. What are some spots that we feel like still need to be filled, whether that's by transfer portal guys or even maybe longer term, some guys that you feel like that we should go after at certain positions next year in the 2024 class.
1: For me, I, I would like to see if we could bring in a kicker from the transfer portal. Um, somebody who can battle Chris Tennant. Um, We obviously saw with Ty Zentner, you know, and what he was able to do the last half of the season, having somebody to be able to battle Tennant um, for the kicking position in the fall, I do think would be of a big benefit. Um, I think even from a punter position, I think Jack Bloomer is going to be our returner there. Um, So is there a potential to bring Somebody else from from the punting, uh, you know, in the punting position, I think those are two holes that we could potentially try and find um, with somebody in the transfer portal. But I don't know if there's necessarily any specific position groups other than that where I'm just, like, missing something. Um, Maybe the nose tackle position. I don't know. Now I'm thinking about it, probably the nose tackle position. Um, But those would be the ones that I'm thinking of right now. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Nose guard is the number one need. Uh, I, I gave uh, Tui his flowers earlier, and if he ever was going to use those flowers for any good, it would to pull a rabbit out of his hat and get us a starting nose guard. Not that Uso can't play it, and I'm so happy that his injury to his knee that happened on that goal line stand um, isn't anything major, and it sounds like he might even play in the Sugar Bowl. But you know, getting a D tackle, a nose guard to that could just come in, and because we, we need two of them, let's be honest. And Damien, Damien Ilalio, God, I'm gonna, I suck at his name, Damien Ilalio. You know, yeah, Ilalio, Ilalio from Manhattan High. I mean, he was a stud. On that goal line stand, he he came in his one snap and was that was his role and he did it. But I would like to see us get a proven guy out of the portal. I know that's hard, easier said than done because those are such high commodity players, uh, proven guys. But I think we've got our uh, eyes set on one, and if we can seal the deal with that guy, you know, if we get a nose guard that is proven, I'm gonna say it right now. Back to back, run it back. That's all, that's all I gotta say Woo.
0: Love to hear that. Love to hear that. let's let's do it. I, I want to do it. Um, and I mean, the thing that we need in order to do that, in my opinion, is a big win in the Sugar Bowl, but we'll get there next week. We'll talk about that next week, but we do have some bowl games to cover tonight. There is one bowl game that's on right now, and it's twenty four to three Western Kentucky. Fireball, Matt, do you have anything to say about wanting to pick South Alabama prior to us going live tonight? Uh, you know,
1: I think the New Orleans Bowl pick is a sham, and we <laughs> should not count that in the overall pick
0: em. Stop the steal. Stop the steal. Um, so <laughs> we'll start with this one. Uh, December 21st, Wednesday, December 21st We've got the New Orleans Bowl at the Caesar Superdome In New Orleans, Louisiana The same place where your Wildcats are going to be playing On December 31st against the Alabama Crimson Tide But tonight, we've got Western Kentucky versus South Alabama South Alabama was favored by 3.5 points And the over-under is 57.5 in this one I took the Hilltoppers in this one (laughs) Fireball, Matt put go Jags on the outline prior to us going live tonight chef. Do you want to pick Western Kentucky while they're ahead by 21, knowing that they very well could, could collapse here in the second half?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I just wrote in the outline. I see that you guys actually made your picks ahead of time and I feel like a fool for kind of just leaving everything blank. So I was going to just go with all winners until you guys figured it out. But Uh, I will take Kentucky if you're giving me that option. I'll go against, like, if you guys can give me a live spread, I'll go against it. But Hilltoppers all the way. I know some alums from Western Kentucky go toppers. They have the best mascot in the country. So, yeah, go Western Kentucky.
0: There we have it. So the next bowl game, this one's going to be close for us in Big 12 country, but it's the Armed Forces Bowl tomorrow night at Amon G. Carter Stadium in Fort Worth, Texas. You've got the Baylor Bears favored by three and a half against the Air Force Lightning. Are they the Lightning? Is that what their mascot is? The over-under is 43 points. I thought they were the Falcons. The Falcons, whatever they are. I don't know. It's something flying related. You They're, live in Colorado. Got, you should they know They have this. a Lightning bolt on their helmet. Easy mistake to make. Easy mistake to make. Chef, who do you have in this matchup between the Baylor Bears and the Air Force Falcons?
3: As much as I would want to stay true to our Big 12 brethren, I'm going to go force. uh, I think Matt made the best joke. May the the Air Force be with you. Um, But I'm going to go Air Force as well. I think that triple option is just... It's so hard. We went against Navy in the Liberty Bowl maybe 3 years ago and it's just a bitch to
1: handle. Chef, you took my one liner that I was supposed to say for my pick. <laughs> well, it was so good I wanted to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how that works. <laughs> oh my god. This is theft. All right. This is theft. Well, well, may the Air Force be with you going
0: I feel like Baylor's down bad right now. They fired their defensive coordinator. They lost their four-star quarterback commit to Oregon today. None of that has anything to do with the team that they're going to be fielding on Thursday, tomorrow night. But they lost Devin Neal to the transfer portal. They lost a couple other guys. But no one's super, super noteworthy. I don't know. This just isn't the best Baylor team that we've seen compared to years past, especially compared to last year's team. I'm going to go with Air Force. Chef made a great point. I think playing those triple option teams, playing those service academies, it's just kind of a mind fuck for some of these teams when they go in. They've never faced it previously. I'm going with I'm going with Air Force. I think Baylor's down bad, and uh, we're going to move on to the Gasparilla Bowl. It's going to be Friday night, at the Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, Florida. You've got the Wake Forest Demon Deacons favored by one point against. You're Missouri Tigers from Columbia, Missouri. The over/under is fifty-nine points, gentlemen. Who you got? Uh, fuck Dorkwitz.
3: Ah, you took my line, you
4: son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm,
3: I'm gonna go with uh, Wake Forest. Yeah, like Matt said, <laughs> uh, an eye for an eye. So he took my line. Oh. So fuck Dorkwitz. Let's uh, let's go week four. Let's go. Uh, what are they? Demon Deeks. Demon Deeks.
0: Demon Deacons. Demon Deacons for sure. Um, I this one's tough for me because you've got two teams that are seven and five against the spread. I it's just it's a tough matchup. Both teams are about you know seven and five, six and six. So they're really this is going to be a pretty evenly matched contest. I feel like so I think the minus one is a pretty fair bet. But it's basically a pick I'm going to go with Mizzou. I hate that. It kills my soul. But I think that they're going to play well against Wake Forest. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with Mizzou. The next bowl game is the Independence Bowl uh, in Independence Stadium in Shreveport, Louisiana. This is going to be also on Friday night. Louisiana Lafayette is facing the Houston Cougars of soon to be the Big 12 Conference. Houston's favored by a touchdown And it's 57 points for the over-under Who you got? Zoinks Chef. Uh,
3: I'm gonna go Coogs. Just for the simple I mean there's They've got the talent To do it Whether Dana gets them up for this game I don't know But we do have um, Oh no that's UL Monroe Never mind Yeah Coog's all the way
1: I guess I forgot this game was in Shreveport. Also, wasn't this <laughs> wasn't this this game used to be a Big Twelve tie-in for so many years? And I guess
0: 1983, that's not the case
4: baby. Anymore? Wow, K State's K
0: State's first K State's bowl game was the Independence Bowl in what 1983? Yeah, no, right? No, no, no.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah, I this puts a completely different thing. We need better bowl tie-ins at some point. I need to, we need to get some stuff outside of Texas. Like give me some G- Las Vegas bowl or the Jimmy Kimmel bowl. I don't know. like some cool stadiums. Anyway, Could I'll be pick, a uh, worse name than the Jimmy Kimmel. Bowl. <laughs> God. Only, uh, kill I mean, me. It's, it's in LA at the new stadium and it looked pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I wish we had some better bowl tie-ins. Uh, I will pick Dana Holgerson to win.
0: I am never picking Dana Holgerson to win. I lost money a few times this year on Houston. They're four and eight against the spread. I'm taking Lafayette all day, every day. Give me the raging Cajuns. Coley Dub, do you have some thoughts on this bowl matchup or any of the other ones? That uh, dude, so
4: I've been on the phone. My mom called me like right during in the middle when you guys started all that. Um. I just wanted to comment on the Jimmy Kimmel Bowl because, like, I have watched a part of that game the other day. I was just, like, on in the background. Like, even Jimmy Kimmel was trashing his own bowl game. He's like, this game, this is ridiculous. Like, like my face is everywhere, and it's embarrassing. Like, Jimmy Kimmel wasn't even hyped about his own bowl game named after him. So, I just had to say, I think that bowl game is just ridiculous. Um, but I think K-State needs to go back to, like, California for a bowl game or something. I would
0: agree. A, a California bowl tie-in would be great. Having the holiday bowl back there? in the fold would be just incredible. Is the holiday bowl still a thing? Is that still around? It is. It is. We'll get to that here in a moment. Yeah. Um, what
4: were your other questions? Or I, I guess I missed. I mean, you don't have to re-explain.
0: Yeah. Okay, cool. That that totally works. So the next bowl game that we have is on Christmas Eve. It's the Hawaii Bowl at the Clarence T.C. Ching Athletics complex in Honolulu, Hawaii, in the Rainbow State. Middle Tennessee versus San Diego State. San Diego State is favored by a touchdown, and the over-under is 49 points. Chef.
3: Oh, baby. Give me mid-Tennessee State blue Raiders. The (laughs) Raiders.
1: It took me a second to remember what their mascot was. Um I'm going to go San Diego State. They had a pretty good season and um at the end of the day both those teams are winners because they're playing in a bowl game on Christmas Eve in Hawaii. So
0: Yeah, these teams are fairly evenly matched as far as record against the spread. I mean, Middle Tennessee's 5-6 and 1, San Diego State's 5 and 7. There's, it's a pretty much a toss up as far as some of the betting stuff is concerned. I'm going to take the Aztecs. I think they play a higher level of competition. So I think that's going to have them more appropriately prepared than middle Tennessee. will. even though middle Tennessee definitely gave Miami a run for their money earlier this season, but then we all found out that Miami was hot garbage. So I'm going with the Aztecs on the day after Christmas. So no bowl games on Christmas. Monday, December 26th, quick lane bowl, Ford Field, Detroit, Michigan. New Mexico State, the other Aggies versus Bowling Green. Bowling Green is favored by three and a half, and the over-under is 48 and a half points. Chef, who you have in this uh in this matchup between a, a whack and a Mac?
3: The Mac be Macken, baby. Let's go, Bowling Green. Falcons, I think.
1: They are. There's a lot of Falcons mascots. Um, I'm going to go Bowling Green.
0: Just for to be a contrarian, I'm going with New Mexico State. I'm going to be in New Mexico for this game, so go Aggies. 12-27, uh, December 27th, first responders bowl on Tuesday. Gerald J. Ford Stadium, where home of SMU, and the bubble in the turf that happened earlier this season in Dallas, Texas. You have the Memphis Tigers playing Utah State, I think another Aggie. Over under is 60.5 and and Memphis is favored by 7.5 points. Chef.
3: Man, give me Memphis and they cover big. I hate their
1: helmets though. God. Is there a team that I hate everything about like their helmets, I hate their stadium more than Memphis? I'm having a hard time figuring it out. I am picking Memphis to win, but there's a lot of things to not like about Memphis. The rap Uh, music
3: is really good though.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. It it, it definitely is. It definitely is. Um, I'm going with Memphis as well. This is the second game in a row that they're playing at Gerald J. Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Uh, The last one was a squeaker that they lost to SMU 34 to 31. So I'm going with Memphis. I think they're going to get it done this time in Gerald J. Ford Stadium as opposed to the last time that they played there uh, just a couple of weeks back. The next game that we have is the Birmingham Bowl at Protective Stadium in Birmingham, Alabama. I have never heard of Protective before, but always wear protection. Coastal Carolina is playing East Carolina, who is favored by seven and a half points, and the over under is 62 points. You've got, you know, who do you have in the battle of which Carolina is more Eastern or more Coastal? Well,
1: you would think Coastal Carolina, but then I remembered that Grayson McCall is not playing. So um, I'm going to go with ECU Pirates. Grayson McCall is a
3: system quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Barry Uh, uh, McCockner. (laughs) he's a system but anyway yeah i'm going the fertile myrtle myrtle beach fighting roosters i think there's chanticleers right chant chanticleers chandeliers did you guys Um, that's from like a
4: that's from like old like not lore but like i can't think of the word but like a chanticleer is like not a real chicken
0: so it's like a jayhawk is what you're saying I think Kinda.
3: Chanticleers are a big like Southern rooster.
4: It's yeah, I don't know. I looked it up one time, but anyway, I'm just
1: Chanticleer is a full time male classical vocal ensemble based in San Francisco. That's the first thing when you Google it. <laughs> you you had to type that in wrong. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, it said Chanticleer. That is what I typed in. If you type in Chanticleer on Google. Okay, www. I found it. Chanticleer.org. I found it. So,
4: a Chanticleer All right, Chanticleer comes from Chauncer's Canterbury Tales. More specifically, he comes from the Nun's Priest Tale, a story within Canterbury Tales. The, char- the Chanticleer is a proud and fierce rooster who dominates.
0: Proud and fierce. And they are not going to be proud or fierce when they play the Eastern Carolina Pirates or whatever they are. I'm going with ECU. Coastal's coach is, he moved on to Liberty. Like, that team is not going to be playing for anything. Go Pirates. Sorry, Cole. Yeah, I was just,
4: I I never, I didn't understand that move from him to go from Coastal Carolina to Liberty. It just seems like a very, just like, like not like horizontal move, I guess. Like eight out of the-
0: horizontal move, but with more money, like significantly more money, because they just have money out the ass and facilities of an SEC level program. But they play in what the Sun Belt? Or no, they're not even in the Sun Belt. What conference are they in? Were they
4: independent? Are they? Are they I don't even know. If they-
1: Liberty. Yeah. Oh, don't Google it. Don't Google it. You'll get something that's incorrect.
0: They're in the a sun. They're in the Atlantic sun conference. Uh, right. Yeah, no, they're independent right now. They are independent. They were in the a sun though. And their athletic director is that piece of shit that covered up rape at Baylor for multiple years. So they can go fuck themselves. Um, Moving on uh, from from that very morbid topic, uh, the Camellia Bowl is on uh, the what Tuesday, the twenty seventh. That's in Crampton Bowl, which sounds terrible, objectively terrible name for a stadium in Montgomery, Alabama. You got Georgia Southern minus three and a half versus the Buffalo Bulls.
1: Correct, correct.
0: <laughs> I just know Lance Leipold and uh, Turner Gill both coach there, so.
1: They got the Bulls and the
3: Bills. The Bulls and the, the Bills. Bills,
0: and the Bills. The Bulls,
3: I'm going to go with those Buffalo Soldiers, though. Dreadlock Rastas. <laughs> uh,
0: I'm going uh, Georgia Southern. Southern. Georgia Southern it is. Georgia Southern it is. Uh, the next game, guaranteed Rape Bowl, same day, December 27th, Tuesday, Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. This is a good matchup. You've got the Wisconsin Badges facing the Oklahoma State Cowboy Cowpokes. Wisconsin's favored by three and a half, and the over-under is 43 total points. Chef?
3: I'm convinced nobody will score in this game, and it'll end in the first-ever tie since 1993. But I'm going to go Wisconsin because those portal players are not – Available for Oklahoma State So they might field a team of 22
1: And who are they going to Trot out their quarterback Gunner Gundy You think he's going to be able to do anything Garrett Rangel
0: or whatever his name is Oh that guy Yeah nah Wisconsin I'm also taking Wisconsin Wisconsin ironically enough Also has two quarterbacks who are out Compared to Oklahoma State's one Which is Spencer Sanders That said we all know what Oklahoma State looked like without Spencer Sanders this year. Wisconsin wasn't really any better and they played in the worst division in college football but I'm going with Wisconsin. I think they're probably going to be a better team in that game. Hammer the under is all I can say to that. Um, The next bowl game and we've got what four left here so Uh, Military Bowl on Wednesday, December 28th. We have the Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium in Annapolis, Maryland. And we're going to have future Big 12 team, the UCF Knights, playing the Duke Blue Devils, who are favored by three points. And the over-under is 62 and a half points. Chef.
3: Give me UCF. We're going to go for the twelve. They're going to be a problem. They they started recruiting pretty well this past recruiting cycle, uh, staying on brand for this National Signing Day episode. Give me UCF Starry Knights.
1: This is hard because I really don't like Gus Malzahn, um, but I'm going to go UCF. I do think they are a better team.
0: I'm just going to be a contrarian here and pick Duke. I don't really have any justification for that. I Also, I don't know. I just don't care about that game all that much. So go Blue Devils, I guess. Uh, Next game, our favorite bowl game as K-State fans, the Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. Beautiful, sunshiny Memphis, Tennessee. We've got the Kansas Jayhawks playing the Arkansas Razorbacks. Again, two of our favorite teams when it comes to bowl season and football in general. And the over-under is a very nice 69 points Are you taking the favorites or are you the squawks who you got?
3: Man, another losing season for
1: those sorry ass squawks. Give me Arkansas. Um, If nobody could win, that would be incredible. Um, But I imagine Arkansas will fill that cesspool of a stadium in Memphis uh, with fans, and Arkansas will prevail.
0: KU has basically zero opt-outs or transfers that matter in this game. Um, Arkansas is missing Hazelwood at wide receiver. KU is also seven and four against the spread this season. I'm gonna go with squawks. It kills me, but I would honestly rather see KU beat Arkansas than than the other way around. So, Blue Wings Rising, Hawks squawks. All right, twelve twenty eight. What I, I'm losing track of what day this is. is this Tuesday. This, this no. This Wednesday. is a week from today. This is next Wednesday. This is next Wednesday. The holiday bowl that we were just talking about. Petco Park, San Diego, California. Oregon Ducks favored by fourteen and a half points against the North Carolina Tar Heels. The Fighting Mac Browns. The over under is seventy three points. Chef, who you got? I'm gonna go with
3: the Ducks. Uh, even though Drake may he's playing, right? Uh and he's still with Carolina, but they they have no defensive
1: players. so ducks big. Okay. Well, my pick is going to be Oregon, but I do think UNC covers the fourteen and a half. But Oregon wins.
0: So you're picking North Carolina in the bull pick'em if we're doing spreads. Oh yeah. Shit. I'm an idiot. it's okay Tar Heels you're taking the Tar Heels you're taking the Tar Heels I am taking the Ducks as well and then the final bowl game that we'll chat through today is same day next Wednesday we'll also be going live next Wednesday but this game will probably be played around the same time that we're going live so we may have a shorter show next next week. Who knows? We're, we've also got a bowl to preview with the Cats and, and the Crimson Tide. So who knows what's in store for next week. But Texas Bowl, NRG Stadium, Houston, Texas. We have the Texas Tech, Red Raiders, Morning, our good friend Mike Leach, who we, who we love and, and miss very much, against Ole Miss and the fighting Lane Kiffins, who also miss Mike Leach very much because Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach were friends and they were in the same state playing football against each other for the last three seasons. Who do we have? Ole Miss is favored by three and a half and the over under is a cl- almost very nice 69 and a half points.
1: Nice. 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 Uh,
3: Ole Miss. Yeah. Ole Miss. Give me Ole uh, Miss. Uh, and I can't, I can't wait for Bob to say wreck them.
0: Wreck them. Uh, I'm definitely dude. I'm <laughs> taking the red Raiders all day, all day, every day. Mississippi, I just you know they've lost three three games in a row. I'm not feeling good. I I, I like the Red Raiders. I'm all for it. They're going to play for Mike Leach. They're going to get it done.
1: The fighting Ryan Labans
0: <laughs> Oh man, if only he were here right now. Um, so we're coming up on two hours. I think the guys are tired. I'm getting tired too, but I've had a whiskey and I'm starting to get a little a little buzzy. So. You know, I could talk some ball, but we'll save it. We'll save it. You know, we've 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 talked about a lot of things tonight. We had a long, big recruiting class to talk about. Man, let's 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 get out of here. So we're gonna we're gonna finish up for the night. We'll talk some ball next week. We've got a bowl game to preview next week. For all of us here at Cocaine Willie, and to everybody in the live room, to everybody who is listening on the feed, and everybody who contributed. Dayon Savage it was awesome having you on tonight to talk a little bit more about the recruiting process and and your role that you're also currently playing in it, man. Thank you to everybody who contributed this week, including Coley dub, including Mike, even though he didn't pop on, uh, in accidentally muted himself, you know, it shit happens next week. We're going to have a thorough preview of the bowl matchup against Alabama on new year's Eve and get ready to bring the same heat that we all brought tonight. Give Cocaine Willie a follow on Spotify to be notified of new episodes as they drop and then leave us a review with your feedback. And if you're on Twitter, follow the show at Cocaine Willie or follow us individually. I am your commissioner, Bob Trollsby. Chef is at Chef Andre Napier and Fireball Matt is at Matt Marchini. Chef, you know what to do. Cocaine's a hell of a drug, baby. We are all coke and no joke. It is great to be back. Wildcat Country. Let's ride, Let's ride. let's ride.